Shall we begin? Second hand hard. Second hand hard. One, two, three. Howdy and hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Sweeney, your secondhand high host, and here with me today is my mother, Connie Sweeney. Welcome to the show, mom, as some call you. Thanks for having me. Anytime, except not really, because you're only here <laughs> certain times. You, What brought you here today? And by here, I mean in general here. What brought me here was to see my new granddaughter and to watch her so that you and Arthur could enjoy some time away. That's correct. All right. Well, let's learn a little about you. I know a lot, probably more than I need to, but no one, no one else listening necessarily does. So act like no one on here has met you before and tell us a little bit about what makes you tick. Hmm. Well, um, in my younger years, I decided that I wanted to do something in the field to help people. And so um, <clears throat> my ultimate goal was to be a flight nurse, but Brittany stood in the way of that. So Whatever. I, um, I became an EMT and then I went on to go to paramedic school. But at the time, how I, old were you? Um, I was about 19 and 20, I guess. When I went to through paramedic school, I was also um, working as the industrial nurse at Lewis Rich and taking a anatomy phys class. And it just all wasn't working for me. I couldn't fit in all my hospital and ride time. And so my paramedic training ended about mm, midway through, I'd say. And I ended up getting married shortly after that and had Brittany a while later. Yeah, I wasn't the only one, though. You went behind my, you stabbed me in the back and had my brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who's about three and a half years younger than me. That's right. Yes. And then what did I do? I, I stayed home and raised Brittany and Brayden and I ended up remarrying. And then I had uh, another child who has Down syndrome and then my stepdaughter came to Dusty, came to live with us, and I raised her from about nine on. So we were a big mixed bag, right? That's exactly right. What do you think one of the greatest challenges was having a mixed fam, besides everyone trying to live up to my high expectations? Um, I was really actually pretty surprised that it went as smoothly as it did for the most part. I mean, there obviously were challenges, but... I think, Why? Um, jealousy. Um, you know, you were jealous of me. Yes, Brittany and Dusty are ten months apart, and so I tended to buy them similar things, and oh they didn't gosh. really love that, and so that kind of went over like a lead balloon. Yeah, in fifth grade, this one kid, Matthew, asked, even though he saw us wearing different pairs of shoes, they were both the same pair of like velvet sketchers. <laughs> and he was like, do you guys just trade off sketch the same pair of shoes every other day? <laughs> we were like, no. But yeah, you also put us in a lot of the same activities like softball, even though Dusty's not a big, a big sports gal. No, she's not. Just trying to keep everybody busy so that they weren't killing each other. <laughs> It's probably the the best way to put it. You also make a mean chocolate chip cookie. 
I actually do. Even my brother-in-law says I make the best chocolate chip cookies. They're like butter. And I, I made her make some today because she's leaving tomorrow on a jet plane. Her favorite thing, right? Right. Yeah. Her and my little sister with Down syndrome do not really care for flying, but they brave the airwaves in order to uh, make it to us and to Evelyn and Arthur. So we're glad they're able to be here. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about family life? Because that was all when we were growing up and living in California and we're no longer in California. As I've said on previous shows, Arthur and I are in the great state, the great, what is it, the Grand Canyon state. So the great state of Arizona. And where are you? Um, I moved about eight years ago with Delaney. Actually, Brittany came as well for about a year. I moved to Washington. I love it there. The people are fantastic. And my parents and my sister and her husband and four boys live there. And so when I got divorced, I or I hadn't been divorced yet. But when I left California, that's where I came because I had family there and we have made a home there. And I, I love all four seasons instead of just the nine or 10 months of summer that we had in Turlock. So I, I, I like the season of warmth. That's what I like. Anyway, Washington is very pretty. The thing I missed when I lived there, first of all, I hate the snow, so I did not like that. Even though you claim there's not a lot of snow, there's still more than I enjoy. So I'm not a big on snow fan. And mom's not big on the fact that it's hotter than Satan's sauna here. Uh, what was it today? Like 108? So we got a nice little reprieve from that over the weekend. It was raining cats and dogs, and I think it got down into like the low 80s, which was glorious. Yeah, but the humidity was 92%. You're 92%. Mm, anyway, all right. So that's a little bit of backstory on Connie Sweeneyus. Proud Gigi. That's what you have. You're going to have Evelyn call you, correct? Yes, Gigi. That is the name she chose. And so now everything is Gigi swag. I think you have a Gigi sweatshirt, which I have yet to see you in. Um, in 108. I don't G- think I'm going to be wearing my Gigi, Gigi sweatshirt. Bumper sticker. I do. I a have Gigi two necklace. Gigi shirts. You got like everybody a like an uncle or an aunt or a grandpa shirt. What was Braden's? Her uncle. Braden's was a a man's fist and a baby's fist, and they were fist bumping, and it said "Uncle and Niece, uh, the Legend and the Legacy." Yes. All right. Well, I know that you had a couple of stories that gave you a big old high, so. I think the first one you were going to tell was in your church, you have somebody who you know who told the story and um, about something, a tradition their family does. So you can feel free to go ahead and share that with the listeners. Okay, well, um, in our church, there was a woman named Mary, and I think we were discussing traditions in our family that were special and important to us, and she shared that her family would go to a restaurant um, on a holiday and that they as a family would look around to see like younger families who were struggling uh, or looked like they would be struggling and they would tell the waiter that they were going to pick up their check and, and they did it anonymously. And so these people never knew, but they got such great joy out of it that what started I think is maybe a one-time thing ended up being something that they um, continued on. And I just thought, 
how great that was for their kids to be a part of something and even into adulthood to be able to look forward to going somewhere and doing something that was such a, a nice gesture for another family. Sometimes you think, man, I wish I could go back and redo my kids growing up and, and do, we had done some things, but not that. And I definitely thought that that was a really neat thing that they did. And, and they're retired now and still, you know, and their kids are grown and they have grandkids and they're still doing that. So that was a really um, nice thing to see or hear. Well, that's not something we've done every year, but it was your idea for our family to, it wasn't this last year, it was the year before Evelyn was born. So I want to say Christmas 2019. And you said, hey, instead of us getting presents for each other, because it just gets to a stage, I think, at some points where as much as I love a good, I love a good present as much as the next person. But sometimes you get to a point where you can't really fit any more crap into your house, or there's just not anything you have an immediate need for. But there's lots of people who do have persistent, more urgent types of needs. And so you have found a place called well, Heifer International, correct? Or you had heard Uncle Todd, I believe it was, had, you said he had done some research on it. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to give, you can donate different amounts of money and you can actually buy for people in other countries, things like a cow or chickens or other types of livestock that they can then have and raise and utilize to um, maybe use their wool or their hair or their um, milk or whatever it is, their eggs, if it's chicken, and they can sell that and then kind of make a sustainable living for themselves. And so am I getting that right? Yeah. I yeah. I just felt that I didn't need anything. I didn't think any of my kids needed anything. I didn't have grandkids at the time. And I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could pool our money together and give somebody something that would be really meaningful in their life. And of course, you don't ever know how that's going to, you know, you don't get to see the fruits of your what you've done. But um, just the being able to do it, I put Brittany in charge of, of finding it. And we all talked about it. And I think we got a goat. And I know we... I don't even remember, a to llama. be honest. I, I think we got remember. a llama. I think, yeah. I think it was like a llama and a goat were the two things that we had chosen. It was kind of hard to pick because it's like you're trying to like think of how you can best spread around the money. It's like, okay, I could get this many chickens versus this like or just one cow. Or So you're kind of wanting to spread it as much, like spread the joy as much as you can, as it were. But yeah, so... It's not like, I don't think it's too late ever to hear someone else's good deed and then be inspired. I don't know if you heard Mary's story before or after you kind of encouraged us all to do that for Christmas. But the point is, if you ha- do you remember if the chicken came before the egg? I don't remember. I just remember hearing my brother-in-law talking about this particular thing that was through BYU studies or something. And... I thought, man, that seems like a really cool thing. So I looked into it and and I just figured that it, our money would, would be much better served to give somebody a living or something that would improve their life as opposed to any of the, you know, silly things that we could have gotten each other. And You didn't need one more Amazon Echo, huh? I did not. Complete the set, the I, triad. I, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I think... Like I said, I don't know if the chicken came before the egg, but even so, you still heard about it through Todd. So he had done the research and the homework into into uh, Heifer International, and it gave you 
the high or the inspiration to do it too. So I think it's one of those things where you don't, you know, it doesn't matter where the inspiration comes from as much as the fact that we, you know, get the inspiration wherever it comes from. But I think there is value in recognizing and repeating these stories because the more we repeat positive things or the good experiences, it's easier for those things to be the focus, I think. So I really thought it was a good idea. I know we kind of all joke griped about having to give up our Christmas stuff, but uh, I think in the end, it kind of reminded me of something that had stuck with me from when I was a kid and you had asked, I don't even remember how old I was, do you? I was a wee lass. You mean about giving your... Yeah. I think Brittany was less, uh, maybe maybe two at the most, and... I had to have been older than that because I actually remember it. Well, you weren't that old, but there were presents under the tree and they were wrapped. I know I was under four, we'll say that. I at least know that, yeah. And I explained to her that there were children who would wake up on Christmas morning and not have any presents to open, and that she had all these presents under the tree, and so... I I said to her, I think that you should um, pick one of your presents and we'll take it and give it to somebody who would otherwise not have a present. And much to my dismay, she was really eager to do it and really looked through the presents. And to picked- your dismay? <laughs> well, I was, I just... I thought you would be like, no, I don't want to. But she was kind of excited about it and, and went and, and picked a pretty big present. And we took it in, in to a place where some child would receive it. And it's kind of funny that you still remember that all these years later. I'll never know what I missed out on. It was a doll. I feel like you still owe me a doll. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> anyway, actually, I'm now going to do that to you. It'll be like a... Deal or no deal. I'll have like you will mix around your presents Uh next year and you'll have to pick one to give away. No, but I think that did stick with me just because, you know, it's nice when you're taught the idea of sacrificing for other people or get to experience that. It's not something I probably would have done organically. So I think those things kind of stick with you because it's, you know, in that case, it was me getting to still make the choice, but I think it was just a good way to kind of start out seeing the holidays. I can't say I always <laughs> acted that great. Sometimes Christmas could be hard for me. But anyway, um, I think, you know, I still like knock it off. <laughs> but I still to this day, you know, I like the idea of Christmas. It's kind of a double edged sword because I think it would be great. We should have that kind of generosity all year round, technically. But, you know, if there is a time of year where people do feel so inspired to give more, it is, you know, nice to have that instilled. And I'm glad that that got to happen from a young age, because like my mom said, even like with the Heifer International, we didn't see the fruits of our labors. But, you know, you get to read about other people's experiences, um, kind of the testimonials from people who received the animals through Heifer International and how life changing it was. And that can be enough just knowing that it's doing something for someone and just kind of knowing that the doll or whatever it was, I don't think I knew till afterwards was being enjoyed by someone who wouldn't have had one otherwise. That was enough. Um, But anyway, you mentioned you had one more story. This one is also churchy based because I know you do a lot of service through church. You had mentioned that there was a, a young man, we'll call him Paul, who's 
been going through some unfortunate circumstances lately, so I'll let you go ahead and take it from there. Well, this young man is about 30, the same age as my son, and he has had um, type 1 juvenile diabetes since he was an infant and has had some unfortunate um, things happen, has lost some fingers and whatnot, and fairly recently lost his legs from his knees down. And the church got together and decided to, um, because of his medical bills were more than he could pay, I believe was the reason he, um, they put together a garage sale for him at the church. And it was, uh, I believe it was on a Friday and Saturday. And you know how garage sales go. I just couldn't really imagine that he was that they were going to make the amount of money that he needed, which I believe was about $10,000. And I thought, man, I don't think there's ever been a garage show that somebody's made that kind of money. But the last thing I heard is I believe they made about $12,000, which was extremely helpful. And there was a, a great many people who didn't buy something, but donated money. And, you know, I just thought what a, what a wonderful thing for him to see and his mother and everyone who participated in that and, and in the community and got to be a part of that and feel good about helping this young man in a period of time that, you know, was especially difficult for him. So that was uh, a neat thing to get to um, hear about and, and um, whatnot. So I, I'm grateful when I hear those kinds of things happening and when we can be a part of things that help someone else. Yeah, I think our garage shells always topped out at about, oh. what, two to 50 no matter what we had in our garage shells. So, yeah, 12 grand ain't too bad, but mm. it's nice to see what can happen when people join together for a cause that's inspiring. So that always reminds me the good that can be in people. Speaking of which, I did want to share this one. I don't know if you heard about this and I don't even know where it took place. So this makes me sound unprepared, but that's just the fun of these podcasts. We get to say mm -hmm. stuff off the fly, but I know it's real because I did watch the video myself. So in some amusement park somewhere around the world, there was this ride. It's one of those ones that kind of looks like a hammer and it's kind of almost like it teeters one way and then it teeters back the other way and it just kind of goes back and forth back and forth until it gets so high it pretty much flips around and I don't know if it, like it the ride came loose from its moorings but while it was still going the ride came loose and started to tilt backwards so knowing how you feel about amusement park rides I can see you mm -hmm. probably wetting your pants <laughs> In the, if you were even thinking about something like that. And so it was really cool because people noticed and, and they all rushed over to the ride and they used their body weight and they kind of slammed down on it so that the ride was able to stop swinging and like slow to a halt without anyone getting hurt and everyone was able to disembark just fine. So I was really, that was something in the news that I felt like sharing just because it's, it reminded me kind of like what you were saying about Paul in that it's amazing what happens when people come together. And I'm just, you know, we kind of live in a stop and gawk society now where it's like, hey, something bad is happening or something good is happening. I'm going to take out my phone and I'm going to record it and get lots of likes. But 
you know, sometimes you got to do stuff not for the likes, but just because you want to like yourself, I guess, and you want to see good outcomes. So I was really impressed when I heard about that. And people can be heroes and they can be heroes in big ways where they're literally saving a lot of lives, like in the ride story or like in Paul's case, where it's one person, but everyone realized that one person matters and has been through a lot and they want to do whatever they can in whatever ways they can, donating something small, donating something big, giving money, giving time, whatever people can do is always great. So yeah, did you have any final thoughts before we close out? And I always forget to say what the date is. This is going to become natural one day for me to say that today is Monday, the 26th of July, because you're leaving tomorrow, the 27th of July, That's right. which means you need to get in bed right now if you keep <laughs> reminding me. So did you have anything you wanted to say to close us out? I think that it's important to, you know, to um, pay it forward. I have been the on the receiving end of things like that. When I first moved to, to Washington, I had a car that didn't have all wheel drive. And I, my father had had a stroke not that long ago. And so I was trying to figure out the whole traveling in the snow thing. And a, a man, actually my mailman who didn't even know me had asked me about it and ended up giving me four brand new studded snow tires. And for free. For free. And it always left such an impression on me. And he said to me, we believe in paying it forward. And so it made me think that I now had even a greater responsibility to pay it forward because of what he had done. And so it's it's always a blessing to be able to do something nice or kind for someone. So that's that's about it. I just am appreciative of the generosity of others and the things that other people do to enhance other people's lives. Well, I'm appreciative of the chocolate chip cookies you made that enhance my life uh-huh. as I go into the work week. And I love you, mom. And I'm glad you could be you here. Too. I'll only say that on air though. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being my guest. Uh, you are Thanks my fourth guest. Me. You're welcome. And so hopefully everyone else was able to ride that high, like a surfboard as well. Cause I got some feel-goods enough to hopefully get us off to dreamland. So with that, we will bid you adieu. Have a good rest of your whatever. Do you have a story that gave you a secondhand high? I want to hear about it. If you'd like to share it on the podcast, you can reach out via Facebook or Instagram or send an email at secondhandhigh.ohmy at gmail.com. And that's second spelled S-E-C-O-N-D. Thanks for listening. Be well. Do good. Oh, yeah.